Okay, everyone, welcome back. Season two, episode six of the podcast. My name is Ian Fraser. Matt Boyce. Mike Marty-Savage. And we have a great guest from the UK, yes. where our last three guests have been. Yeah, we have been on a little from, bit of an English theme, haven't we? Yeah, we have, yeah. and uh, a little bit of a combination of, of different um, sort of roles that these, that these individuals have. And yep. today we have a fellow YouTuber. That's right, yeah, Mr. Peter Finch. One, um, of, one of the best sort of out there. Definitely. So probably in sort of your top five, no matter who you ask, in terms of golf YouTube, um, he's been doing it for quite a while. Yeah. Definitely one of the original uh, guys out there. And uh, we've had a ton of requests to have Pete on. I know. Luckily, uh, most of them came from our Rick Shields podcast. Yeah. And we had already scheduled Pete to be on. So great. we're able to sort of fulfill everyone's request right away. Yeah. Mikey, you you kind of uh, heard of Pete before and sort of, you know, have you followed any of his stuff? Yeah. I mean, even from like the college days, everyone would be watching either Rick Shields or, or Peter Finch. And, yeah. I think uh, that's a good point. You know, some of his, you know, I've got a smart TV in my room. So when you have the YouTube on, you know, you see a lot of his name that pops up and, you know, some of the yes. stuff that he's done with, you know, when he was using like Tiger Irons a couple months ago. And mm-hmm. I find he travels quite a bit as well and does some really cool, like different areas where he's playing golf or doing some challenges. Mm. So I think his yes. content's really, really uh, uh, eye-catching. It keeps, it keeps you entertained. It's not one of those where it gets, you know, dragged out for a long period of time. Yeah. It's, it's shortened to the point and, um, you know, I can see why he's, he's really, really popular. So I'm excited to, uh, you know, to chat. This is my first time, you know, speaking with him. So I'm excited for this. Yeah, this should really be a good cool. one for sure. All right, well, let's get Pete on in. Oh, thanks for having me down. Really appreciate it. Not at all, not at all. So you're living in, uh, in Manchester right now. Obviously, same situation as us, locked, locked down. Are you demented? <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, well, the, the argument could be made that I've always been that. Um, <laughs> but I think it, it, it's weird, really, because in the last few, certainly in the last few days, it's probably started to tell a little bit more because I've started to get to the end of the list of stuff that I wanted to do for a while. Um, right. But one of the fortunate things is I've just got a couple of guys who started with me, so uh, uh, kind of like a brand manager and a videographer and editor. So we've been taking that time to go through all the essential stuff which you know i i've personally not done in mm-hmm. like years so go through reports go through the data go through you know all the stuff the essential stuff which will help me move forward going forward but which i've yeah. simply not done yet so it's it's been good in that sense it's just been a bit it's just been a bit cruel as far as the weather back here mm-hmm. has been absolutely perfect and i've just been like you know <laughs> wanting to get out and film wanting to get out yeah. and play not being able to but Listen, we're all we're all in the same boat. We're in we're all in the same boat for the right reasons as well. So yeah, you know, health and safety first is, is primary for all of us, isn't it? That's that's yeah. the thing. We are in the same boat here, Pete. We were uh, March is is normally not a great month for us, and when the lockdown occurred, kind of in the middle of March, we actually were having some incredibly good weather. There were some bonus mm. days in there that we don't usually get. Definitely. So we would have been maybe two three weeks ahead of schedule. We would have been with the golf season up here. So. We were in a, a situation where our courses hadn't opened yet. Yeah. So we were just okay. about to get going the season, get out on the course. I mean, cabin fever had been in <laughs> all winter long. And then obviously we, we lost the ability to do so. So um, it's, it's not ideal. No, it's for sure. It snowed a bit today, actually. Uh, <laughs> it's snowing. Snow oh, really? Oh, it's been that. like 20, 21 degrees here today. Wow. Lovely. Uh, just a tease. Just a tease. That's all it is. <laughs> 
know. <laughs> well, Pete, let's let's kind of go back a little bit. Let's kind of go into your your sort of origin story. I, I, I caught a little bit on the last golf bidder challenge that mm-hmm. you had with uh, Mr. Shields that you mm. won. Congratulations yeah. on Success. that, at a boy. Thank you very much. It's just it's 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 what I expect now. To be honest, I've very, high, very <laughs> high expectations of my game. Very little excitement these days by winning another challenge against them. Hey, listen, you know, I, I just I know how you know I know how all the champions, you know, the ones who dominate their sport, yeah. really feel now. You know, I'm just looking for that new challenge, <laughs> but I've just got to take it one game at a time. Can't get carried away. Just got to keep working hard. The reality a, is, you yeah. hold the most important thing of all. Which is the bragging rights? Yes, that's yeah. the reality. Forever. The bragging rights it's, are key. It's such. I mean, it's hard to kind of keep my motivation up to practice and to play <laughs> after the, each year after the golf bit of challenge. It's kind of tough. <laughs> no, that's it. The fifth major. The fifth major. Well, the to be fair, at the moment it's the only major. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so true. So when when I was watching that last one, and you talked about your putter, mm. and and that was something that you used. I'm familiar with the Faldo series and how good of a, an opportunity and sort of, um, you know, how good those events were back in the UK. Maybe tell us a little bit about junior golf into turning pro, things like that. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't, to be fair, as a, yeah, I think, I think as all golf pros should, should admit, I think it's very rare that this wouldn't happen, is that, you know, when I was growing up and when I started to play golf, the first thing was like, well, you know, can I turn pro? Can I play on tour? You know, can I be mm-hmm. a really good player? I was slightly I'm not gonna say hampered because that's not the right word but I was doing I was playing quite a few sports at the same time and I was always much more into my football than I was into my into my golf and I played I played I was all right I was all right at football I was pretty I was pretty decent I think if I'd have carried on I'd have been I could have been semi-pro you know that type of that type of level and then at the same time I was playing golf and I actually got injured playing football and Mm -hmm. At that time, I'd, it was it was a back injury as well, so I couldn't kind of get around playing golf, and I and I actually missed golf probably more than the football side. And I thought, well, that's that's quite interesting. And then once I started playing golf again, mm-hmm. and the team that I was playing for football wise wasn't doing as well, yeah. all of a sudden I kind of realised that actually with with golf, I can't blame anyone else if things aren't going well. So. Mm-hmm in a kind of perverse sit kind of way that appealed to me a little bit more. Um, so then I started to take golf a lot more serious, uh, started to play more and more and more, started to play at a decent, a decent ish kind of amateur level, play with some decent players. And I think at that point I realized that there was another kind of another level of amateur golf that I just wasn't at. So mm-hmm. I then started to kind of commit to that a little bit more when I was like 16, 17 until I got my handicap down. I think it was, down to three and then I effectively I think I, well pretty much when I got down to three I effectively stopped playing because that's when I was like well actually I've got down to that level where I could do my PGA yeah. so mm. then did then did my PGA and as soon as I did my PGA quit golf for two years and then <laughs> came <laughs> back to it uh came back to it and moved up to Manchester and then I've kind of followed that progress up to up to where I am now so where was home before Manchester Preston, proud Preston, proud yeah. Preston. Oh my God, couldn't wait to get out. Um, <laughs> it's it's actually it, it's weird, really, because because home home is always home. It doesn't really matter where yeah. you come from, does it? You, sure. When you go back, you kind of you, you know you you learn to appreciate it a little bit more. But I was I was desperate to I was desperate to leave. So I look for a 
look for a job. <laughs> I, I was with a, my girlfriend at the time. I was kind of, she was moving down to Shropshire. So I was having a look for assistance jobs in Shropshire. Mm-hmm. Um, actually moved down to Shropshire with, uh, with my ex. <laughs> that, that wasn't a good idea. Um, <laughs> didn't go well. But it, 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 didn't, it didn't last overly long, no. But I stayed down in Shropshire for 10 years. And I think that's where I met my kind of fiance. That's where I, I, I think I'll end up in my, uh, in my later years. And then nice. once, once, once I was down there, did my PGA yeah. and yeah, once, once I'd done my PGA and I was at private members club, I thought, God, this, this might not be for me. Can I do something else for a while? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I retrained as a journalist, was a journalist full time for a few years. Mm-hmm. And that gave me, it was, it was by far the worst, most stressful thing I've ever done. And it gave wow. me a very good perspective on actually how lucky I am to work in golf and how lucky people are to be in golf full stop, to be honest. Mm. One of the things I love about... Honestly, I've mentioned before, I've had an afternoon nap and I'm like, I'm <laughs> off on one. I've, I've had a bit of an orange juice as well. I think the, the, sh- the <laughs> sugars ready. are flowing. <laughs> He's ready to go. Uh, when was the last time you did an afternoon nap, eh? That's, that's hilarious. That's I've been guilty, part of, I've been oh, guilty of a few in the last few weeks too. Well, yeah. I, I think one of the things that's great about doing these podcasts... Uh, is we're getting to know more about people. That's, that's such an interesting thing that journalism was in yeah, there prior to there was there was sort of football, then there was golf, then there was journalism, yep. traveling a lot up and down. And it's not like you're a Manchester boy born and bred that just mm. you know that was always yeah, a golfer. It's good. It's really interesting. I mean, Rick told us that he was a drama school standout. That was the <laughs> that was the nugget from him yesterday. <laughs> Fully believe that. <laughs> so we were hoping that most people said that kind of explained why he ended up in front of the camera. Would you say journalism for you? And then obviously moving back into golf, did that factor into you saying, I want to start a YouTube channel? I want to be kind of in front of the camera to any degree? No, 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 not, a, not at all. To be, okay. to be honest, I was quite a, um, how to put this? I mean, when, when I was living in Shropshire, you know, it's not, if you've, if you've ever been there, it's not the most technologically advanced county in the world. Mm-hmm. It's very much, you know, farmers' fields and some good pubs. That's kind of what it is, which is why I like it so much. Um, <laughs> exactly. But when I started doing my journalism, it was very much wanted to be a print sports journalist. That's right. kind of the avenue that I wanted to go down and then eventually wanted to combine that with with golf. Mm-hmm. Um, and the <laughs> the newspaper I got a job at, basically the openings that they had, I did everything apart from sport. And right. oh, honestly, honestly, I mean, listen, journalists get a bad rap and in quite a few instances for a good reason. But... Mm-hmm. Oh man, honestly, it was so, so stressful. So when I, when I left that, I started coaching at a driving range again mm-hmm. and it, I was in, I was in a very similar situation. So when I'd left my old golf course, it was because, you know, it really wasn't busy against Shropshire, very quiet County for golf and wanted to do something a little bit more exciting. Wanted to, you know, see the world, I suppose, in a weird kind of way, you know, it's very PG movie kind of way, you know, he was sat in the office and he, he wanted to see the world. So he joined a newspaper and became a journalist. <laughs> so, such a immature story. Yeah, exactly. What an idiot. Um, and then when I came back to coaching at a driving range, again, it was a similar situation. So as a last, it was really a last gasp opportunity that a job came up at Trafford Golf Centre where Rick was based. Mm-hmm. And I went to college with Rick and went to college with Andy Carter and Sam Meller. And there was, they were all at the same place. Okay. So I was like, well, you know, what's it like up there? Um, 
you know, what's it like living in Manchester? You know, they said the lessons were pretty decent, went up there. Mm-hmm. Rick was by far the busiest coach. And the only thing that he was doing differently was uh, YouTube videos. Right. So, you know, I could see that people were watching his videos coming in for lessons. And I thought, well, you know, maybe, maybe this is something I could do. Maybe this is something I could try. I've got to go to that point. I made, I had a Facebook profile, but apart from that, like I was, I was not really there on, on social media, maybe a bit of Twitter. Yeah. yeah it wasn't something which interested me. I wasn't, I, I didn't understand the power, the reach and the implications of what it would be. And, and bear in mind, this was what, six years ago now. And if you think about what social media has become in that time frame, you know, yeah, it was, it, it was a lot of, there was a lot of luck involved to, just be in the right place at the right time near someone else who had already been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if I hadn't have made that move up to Manchester, I wouldn't have done it. It was simple as that. It's just a bit of time and a bit of luck. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, I think moving around is, as, as you talked about, you know, it's, you met your fiance when you were you're on a different journey down in Shropshire, you've mm-hmm. found your sort of career path when you were really coming up to do something a little bit different. Life is like that, isn't it? It really is. You know, yeah, you yeah. just never know what it's going to throw at you. It's very true. Yeah. So, um, kind of early days with YouTube, was YouTube kind of the first thing you dabbled in with videos or were you on a different platform? producing first or was that the opening kind of nah just just straight to youtube straight yeah, to YouTube. Just, yeah just just straight in and i think what i think what helped me in some respects is i'm pretty i'm pretty independent in many ways so i don't like asking for help and it's a mm-hmm. it's a detriment in many cases but what i did is i saw what rick was doing i didn't want to ask him for help i wanted to try and figure out how to do it myself sure and I learned how to film, to edit, to upload, to do all these different things, basically just by trial and error. So my first year on producing videos, I mean, I look back at them now and they are like truly, truly terrible, but mm-hmm. it, you know, it, it taught me a great deal. So, yeah. you know, from doing it all myself and just like working hard at it, you know, those that laid the foundation to what I've been able to do now. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't change that. You know, I sometimes think, oh God, you know, what if I'd discovered about YouTube eight years ago? Like, what position would I be in now? But yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's, it's a hypothetical question, and you know, it's it's a pointless one to ask. You know, just got to focus on the here and now and where I can go going forward. That's kind of what we've all we all said in every chat we've had with anyone on YouTube is the same thing. It's always like, well, I could have done this earlier. I could have been better at it then. It's like, well, could you have been? Like, it doesn't really matter. Like, I know everyone has a learning process. We'll look back at our first videos and go, like, what the hell are those? Crap. Rick said the same thing. Uh, we were talking to Alex Etches said the same thing. Crossfield says, like, literally everyone says the same thing. It's like, the, the think the best part about YouTube is that you can actually do that. Like, no one's starting a television show and going, ah, my first season was terrible. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. You could just be off TV. I think that's why YouTube is cool because you actually get to develop your skill set and your personality, like, at the same time. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why people get so attached to people on YouTube is they've actually seen you from day one, yeah. six years ago. The now evolution. they see you. Yeah, they'll remember Peter Finch six years ago and they'll see how far you've come and they're just, they're more attached probably for that reason. Oh yeah, definitely. There's, a, there's an authenticity about it, which, you know, isn't, especially from, you know, if you compare it to mainstream media, mm-hmm. uh, to people on YouTube, you know, effectively what you are watching on YouTube is a genuine character. I mean, yep. you know, there's, there's a few, there's a few different channels and a few different kind of areas where people are, 
you know, putting on a show, not really in golf, you know, we're talking about other areas here, but generally speaking in, in golf, you know, you are speaking Mm -hmm. to just a, a normal, genuine person with, with no real agenda. And I, I think that's very, I think that's very attractive to people who tend to get turned off by, you know, the over-commercialization of, of mainstream media, which mm-hmm. is, is, is understandable. Um, and for, for, from my point of view, it's been, it's been a good thing because it's just allowed me to be myself and actually benefit from that, which is crazy, really, if you think yeah, about it. it. It is a bit crazy when you think about it. Well, I think the access to your favorite YouTubers in general, mm-hmm. like you can't access your favorite movie star, your favorite TV. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, like, it's kind of reality TV. It is way. a little bit like reality you TV. Know, and, and we obviously, yep. we, we, uh, we, we saw, you know, how well reality TV obviously was done back in the UK and, mm-hmm. and everywhere else over here as well. But, you know, in a form, it is, it is a more real version of reality TV. Uh, it absolutely is. It's, yeah. just, it's just raw. And you can actually speak back and forth with people in the comments. You can yeah. live stream. You can, you can basically literally speak to people. The last thing I want to ask you before we move on uh, to, to sort of a different segment is, was the first time you were doing something or you were somewhere where someone kind of like came up to you and went, oh, Peter, I saw your videos, like hmm. love your channel and kind of gave you a fan, a fan moment. I think there's a couple of, a couple of answers to that, Rio. The, the first one that did surprise me was when it actually started to work from a, a coaching standpoint. So people mm-hmm. actually phoning up and saying, oh, hi, Pete, you know, I've seen your video. And, and this was what really confused me, to be honest. You know, I've seen your video on, you know, fixing a slice on YouTube. That's the problem that I have in my swing. Really yeah. liked your video. Could I come in for a lesson? Right. And I was like, well, you've just watched a video on how to fix it. Like, why, like, why do you... Why do you want to come in? I don't. I don't. I didn't always say this. I was like, yes, yes, please. But yeah, yeah. it was like, well, why do you want to? Why do you want to come in? And what I actually learned from that early on is that the more you, the more you put yourself out there, the more you put content out there, the more you actually provide value to the person watching, the more likely they are to actually try and bring you back to you. So yeah. that was that was when I kind of first noticed that. Now it's it, it's obviously the same, but to a much bigger level. As mm. far as people. As far, as far as people coming up to me, probably the, because at, at golf courses and yeah. at golf facilities, that you, you get that quite a bit. You know, people coming up and saying hello, you know, watching the videos, which is great. Mm-hmm. But you know, probably the weirdest one was a fair few years ago. Now in Edinburgh, I was on a, I was on an ice ring in the middle of Edinburgh. I won't go into it too much, but it was <laughs> That's a, basically, a, yeah, yeah, just a guy. A guy stopped me on the ice ring and was like, Oh, you know, Pete, I, you know, blah, blah. I just started chatting away to me, but he didn't introduce himself as I know me off YouTube. It was just like, he knew me. So I was just like chatting away and my brain's like going, Oh God, I don't know. Who's this guy? Has he had a lesson? Do I know him from your childhood? I just don't bloody know. So I started to panic a little bit. I think I'm suffering from kind of some memory loss. And then he drops in about some kind of random video I did ages. Like before that, I was like, ah, okay. 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 Get it. What's your name? Sorry. (laughs) That's yeah, Dave, exactly. Dave, thank you. Oh, it's cool though, because that, that's one of the weirdest, the, the weirdest and the very best thing is when someone comes up, starts speaking to you as though they've known you for years, because effectively yep. when they've been watching the videos, they kind of know me, they know my personality and the, the yeah. style of the videos I do is very much kind of what I'm up to as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that relationship already exists from their side so they can yeah, feel true. they can come they can, they feel that they can come up and chat without being <laughs> awkward and that is 
that is amazing and it's fantastic for certainly for coaching as well because yeah i i forget how awkward it used to be kind of right. mm. welcoming no the lesson required yeah you know and just like great getting point. to getting to know them and if there's already that mm. that perspective that they're coming into a lesson and they know everything about you well, to an extent, obviously, yeah, um, yeah. it's, it's kind of like, oh, well, all I need to do now is, is get to know them. And that's it's so good. It's so much yeah. better than kind of having to like go around the range, talent for lessons. Oh, God, I used to hate yeah. that. Oh. No one liked that. <laughs> it's oh, the worst. Terrible. I think, uh, I think one thing, you know, Fraz, especially you and I can speak on is like when we, when you first started TXG and we didn't even think of, um, youtube or any social media you know we just had an instagram account and we're slowly building some information and then we you guys started the videos and i was in one really shitty video and then (laughs) to to where it is today it's like it was fine mikey (laughs) yeah it was pretty bad it was to see the like the amount of people that from all over the world customers that fly in and just come to see us and get work done from us because of youtube like i still think in a way social media is the wild west like no one really knows how it works why it works it just mm-hmm. it just works um mm-hmm. so you know to to see channels like like your pete's and and ours is uh, to me like being from kind of day one to see it to today it's it's weird i mean guys who send me messages on instagram i find it weird you know they want me to build clubs for them and the it's just like you know i'm just a i'm just a normal old guy like don't worry about me but they you know the guys love it and they you know, they're sending me notes like, Mikey, how are you, buddy? And it's like, I don't even know who you are. You're from <laughs> Finland, for God's sakes. But, um, but no, but uh, Pete, one question I was, I was had was, you know, obviously the media is a big part of what you do, but coaching and playing are still, still really large parts of, of your life. Do you, do you play as much as you'd like? Um, no, nowhere, nowhere near as much. I think the, the, the problem with, certainly that getting that balance is between, you know, how much time do you put to coaching? How much time do you put to playing? How much time do you, you know, <clears throat> put to all these different areas? And and certainly with golf, I mean, every golfer kind of watching, listening to this knows that golf especially is a very hard sport to not play for a couple mm-hmm. of weeks, come back and then be at yeah. that same level. You know, it's not mm-hmm. a, it's not as simple as you pick up where you left off. You know, if you, if you leave it for a few weeks, something's going to go missing. You know, you can, you you need to keep up that consistency in the practice and it just takes time. Like golf is a, Mm. it's a slow sport to practice. It's a slow sport to play. So Mm. keeping the balance is pretty difficult. Fortunately, I kind of, I think I mentioned before, I've got a couple of guys now who work with me that gives me enough time to actually free up, um some space to to practice in a little bit more and i'm a lucky situation where i've started to build a little bit more of a series around playing so i can <clears throat> i can play and i can practice and you know mm-hmm. and that's work, work. Yeah, that's <laughs> call true. it call it work yeah oh god i'm gonna have to go hit 100 balls what, <laughs> what a dilemma let me take my camera smart though because that's I mean, people yeah. want to see it people want to follow your journey and me and Ian have had this conversation many times. I think the best videos you make are the ones you enjoy making the most. Yeah. So for you, mm-hmm. if you really like playing and preparing for tournaments, the reality is that's going to come through in your video. And I bet you that's probably what people like watching the most on your channel is that stuff because mm-hmm. you're, you're the most into it. Yeah, and it's, it's maybe one, one thing which sets me a little bit apart from, from the other guys on YouTube as well is the fact that I'm really the only one of the, big, the bigger channels <clears throat> 
who are actually still playing. Um, and I, I understand why, because it's it's difficult. It's yeah. it's kind of hard as well because if you play if you're playing in a tournament and you play bad and you're kind of building a content stream around playing bad, it's kind of like <sighs> turning that camera on saying, guys, you know, shot 78. It was crap. Uh, like what, yeah. like what, are, what am I meant to say? And it, it, one of the, one of the things that actually surprises me though, is, is when, when you play bad, uh, there's so many people who are on there and they're just like, oh, you know, don't worry about it, Pete. You've got this, you know, stay positive, stay strong. Blah, blah, blah. And then the next video, if you shoot a good score, they're there back saying, oh, I told you, Pete, I told you you could do it. <laughs> You've got this. And it's, it's great. It's crazy. It's like having a, it's like having a, just like this big band of, of people supporting me playing in a local PJ event. It's so random, but it's great. And it, it is the way that, it's the way that I, best communicate as well so if i play mm -hmm. i learn something i can then turn mm -hmm. that into a coaching video and that's the best way for me if i can show someone if i can if i can do a video saying you know if you want to improve your scores what i've learned in the last two weeks is doing this type of putting drill for example you know off the top of my head um you know practice this drill and this has shown within my stats within my play that this will improve this aspect of your game. And I think that's a much more powerful message than me just coming on screen and saying, you should change this in your game. Yeah. Well, why, you know, why should I change that in my game? Oh, cause I, cause I said so. I can actually, yeah. you know, turn around and say, you should change this in your game because like I can show you, I can, I can show you it works. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the big benefit I think of actually still playing in comps and still trying to improve as a, improve as a golfer. And, uh, and obviously part of that, that journey as a golfer was the quest to qualify series. Um, and, you know, th is that still the, the main goal as a player just to, you know, to get that place in the open championship that what you hold as your ultimate goal? Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the ultimate, that is the ultimate goal. But at the same time, I understand that, you know, the chances of that happening are, are very slim. One of the, one of the massive positives about open qualifying, it is, it, you know, it is what it is. Anyone can, anyone can give it a go. And in a, in a weird kind of way, you're literally three really good rounds away from qualifying mm -hmm. for the open, which is yeah. a, it's a beautiful tantalizing thing to say. And it's a very easy thing to say, you know, the practicality of it is, is a lot different than that. Mm -hmm. But for me as well, it's more about, yes, qualifying for the open would be incredible. It would be an absolutely amazing certainly for me it'd be an amazing achievement but it's also over the last kind of three years while i've been doing it it's the seeing my scores improve seeing yeah. how much my technique has changed seeing how much i've learned over that you know over that time period the open is definitely the the ultimate destination but to be honest the road to get there yeah. is is the whole point you know i'm seeing I'm seeing so many more places on my trip to hopefully the final mm. destination. But if I never reach there, like yeah. I'm not, it's not the end of the world. I want to, but. Mm. It, it makes a lot of sense. And I hear a similar version of that same thing from a lot of people who especially document what they do. So mm. someone who's very influential, influential to me is a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk. And mm. he always talks about buying the New York Jets. But he's, he's like, I'm fully aware that I might never buy the New York Jets. Yeah. What I really love is the journey to buy the, the New York Jets. Mm -hmm. And I love the journey. I love the process. I love the hustle, the daily grind. It's just, I just set myself something that far ahead 
that even if I get three quarters of the way there, I'm going to have had an unbelievable life. Mm. And, and goal setting is so important in, in setting yourself a real dream goal because you know, even if you don't get there, you're going to have succeeded in a lot of other things. It's very true. And you should, you should have enjoyed the journey as much as possible, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Um, FSX Challenge. I was just going to say, we have to talk about the FSX We have to talk about the FSX Challenge. I mean, there's not, there's not many people can reach the pinnacle of their sport. The pinnacle. In, uh, <laughs> when it comes to the uh, FSX man. Challenge, it's, there's one name atop of that leaderboard. Did you, um, did you see Rick's attempt recently? I think the flop wall is gone. Can you confirm that 2020 update, the flop wall has been removed? Um, I, I don't know. The last time I went on, it was, it was still there. It's breaking news. It, it, it so it's not there. It's not one. there in Rick's video. I, I'll check it later. We updated one of our computers to 2020 yeah. FSX. It wasn't in his video. So unless it was a one-time glitch, you could be oh looking my. at. I know. Was that a favorite or a hindrance for you? That that 20. Um, I, I yeah, I didn't like it. Oh well, no, I didn't yeah. like it until I figured out how to do it. True <laughs> that's, enough. That's true the enough. <laughs> that's, that's the so that's true. the simple fact. Yeah, I yeah. same as anything. I don't like it until I actually found the found the key for it. That's um, I didn't realize I've been taken down. God, I, I've, I've got to be honest. I, I I don't really want to go back and try it again. I don't blame <laughs> you. Well, so it was kind so of a couple year couple year journey from yeah. your first attempt to your world oh. record. Yeah, yeah, years? definitely. God, God yeah, knows yeah. how many how many hours I, I poured mm. into that thing. Um, we can we can understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, just, gets, it just gets a little addictive, doesn't it? Well, it's addictive. I mean, oh, it gets addictive. So sure. recently, mm. the two of us kind of just got into it just for fun. You you must have got what fifty two points one day. Yeah, fifty four was the best I got. But I, I'm, I'm excited. I live quite a long way away from our studio, Pete, mm. and we're just building a second location which is literally a mile from the house. Yeah, yeah. And I Amazing. know that the winter time is going to be, uh, is going to be spent time. just, just going FSX crazy. And, and ultimately <laughs> the goal is, is 70, isn't it? You got to, you know, trying, to get, get trying to get 70 points is, has got to be the, the ultimate goal. Were you 62, 64 or 64? 64, I think it was. Yeah. Oh. 64, wasn't it? So basically you got fives on everything. So six threes and the rest fives. I think so, that? yeah. Pretty, nope, that's yeah, not the math. Sure. That's way off. Uh, nope. No, no you, you, would, you would have get fives in everything but three. three so three threes and the rest fives. Yeah, that's crazy. The heck of a score. Um, I'd love to just segue a little bit into your equipment. Um, mm -hmm. You've made a, a change recently. You're now a brand agnostic player. You're, you're completely mm -hmm. sort of just doing what's best for your game. Tell us about that process. Um, yeah, it was, it was a weird one really because... I was in a situation where I'd been with TaylorMade for a year, and yep. I've, I can't be honest. I could have, I, I could have happily carried on with TaylorMade, you know, for a long, long time. Like the, the guys and the girls there, and like the equipment and everything was just—it was great. It was like there was literally no problems. But the one, the one avenue I found very difficult to to figure out was because it was a paid sponsorship, you know. I think if I'd have asked them, they would have they would have let me kind of review other clubs and like try mm. other clubs out for specific videos. You know, they are very very down to earth. They understand the situation, but mm. for me, I would have found it very difficult to remain impartial. If I'm if I'm testing out a club and and to be fair for the audience watching as well, if I'm testing a club out and it's like a bad club, you know, it's just yeah. it's, it's crap. I don't like it. And I did a video to that extent saying, you know, I don't think it's that great, blah, blah, blah. Like people are very much entitled to turn around and say, well, 
you're only saying that because you're sponsored by someone else. Right. You know, would you would you say the same thing if Taylor May brought a club out which you didn't like? And I don't know. Like, would I? Mm. I I'm, I'm not sure. You know, because at the end of the day, if this company is giving me money to play their products, something comes out which I don't like. Yeah. Would I actually say anything about that? Probably not. You know, it's it's just it's human nature. You're not gonna you're not gonna slap slap away the hand that's feeding you or whatever the yeah. whatever the saying is. Um, so from from my point of view, I thought it was just going to be a lot better for the content and a lot mm. easier for me to remain impartial if I didn't have that association with a with a major brand. So mm. it was nothing to do with not liking TaylorMade. You know, it was, it was a bit of a wrench to actually say no to to carry on with them to be honest yeah, but yeah. what it's allowed me to do is just create so much more content around different clubs and also working with all these different companies they all bring their own ideas and you know mm. what you know some ideas that they want to have and you know i've been over the last few weeks chatting to chatting to so many different companies about so many different ideas which wouldn't have been possible if i was just sticking with TaylorMade. so yeah from yeah. from that standpoint it's it's worked out great and you know it's just allowing me to experiment and test all these different clubs which has been yeah it's just a, a golfer's <laughs> golfer's dream basically yeah have you um have you i've watched a few of the build your bag are you finished with building your bag have you got 14 in there or you still got a couple to go just my putter just my putter okay. so i've got so t- i've got a load of i've got a load of scotties in my in my room so- some even rolls and about 60 other putters <laughs> Can you uh, can you take us through what you've what you've picked the other thirteen clubs? Yeah, um, so I've uh, back's just out, Rich. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Got a, so I've got a sim sim driver, which I was <clears throat> t- to be honest, I was quite quite surprised about how <laughs> how much better it was in comparison to the other clubs that I tested. So yeah. I was expecting it to be quite quite even um mm-hmm. but for whatever reason head shaft combination you know it goes just yep. it fitted me it fit me best during the test and yeah it was it was amazing i'm really looking forward to actually just getting out on the course and knitting it again um went for the g410 three wood just okay absolute rocket and just incredibly like accurate i just yes it is i can't i just can't can't miss with it which Again, it was it was quite a surprise at how much more I appreciated it than the other ones I tested. Um, went from Mizuno driving iron, Mizuno irons, MP20s. Mm-hmm. That was the only that was the only club. Um, well, the other clubs, the irons that I thought, you know what, I'm not going to do a multiple test. I'm just going to get mm. a set of Mizunos. Oh, because, did you? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was just kind of like I've, I've never had a set of Mizunos. You know, I've always I've always wanted a set and. It, it was just like, it, from a content standpoint, I was looking through and I was like, well, you know, what is the one set of irons that literally everyone would want? And it's, mm. you know, a set of Mizunos. You know, no one's, to, today, I don't think anyone's ever turned around and said, oh, you know, these feel crap or, oh, God, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like these. That's you know, everyone, everyone likes Mizunos. And I was like, well, yeah. there, must be a reason, there must be a reason why. So, yeah, it was... It was great. I loved it. And I got fitted at a really cool centre down uh, Bearwood Lakes here in the UK. And then nice. Wedges got the Vokies. Uh, and then the Putter is the, the only one the only one remaining now. TBD. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, put- On the Mizuno, is Pete, what did you go with? Did you go with a Blade? Did you go with the MMC? What did you get? Combo? I uh, got uh, M20 up to uh, the Blade up to the 8 and then the 
MMC from the seven nine nice. seven nine to the four. Yeah, yeah. Mikey got, has got, Mikey. You have almost the same set. No, you've got. Oh uh, yeah, I did. Uh, I did a full set of MMCs. I. I'm well, the same right, way yeah. as you, Pete. I was, uh, I've never played a set of Mizunos and when they released mm-hmm. MP20 photos, I kissed my rep and, you know, as many <laughs> times as I could to, to get a set, but I've been happy with them. I mean, I played Mira 501s last year and I, you know, I don't miss them as much as I thought I would. The the Mizuno stuff is, is very, very impressive. So I understand where you're coming from. Yeah. I was, I was, I was semi, I was semi gutted when I got fitted into the split set though. I wanted to, I wanted to be that guy who walked out of there with all blades, but yeah. the uh, yeah the, the MMCs are just they're great, so good, like yeah. so, yeah. so not, good. Not many not many tour players even playing full bag of blades now, anyway. So you're not not like you're you know not in good company anyway. I know, but it's kind of like sad. It is a bit sad because I was like, you know, but what's gonna look better? Like what's gonna <laughs> what's shinier? Like what what's gonna look better on Instagram? But yeah, the the fitter <laughs> for, the fitters fortunately taught me around That's from being right. a. Yeah, being an performance, idiot. <laughs> performance first. That's True. exactly well. And, and life as a YouTuber um, has has obviously given you some great opportunities to attend various events and, and meet you know so many people that I'm sure you would admit that you know you wouldn't have had the opportunity to do. Maybe tell us about some of those coolest sort of opportunities and experiences you've had and invites from certain companies. Um, yeah, it, it, to be honest, the. I mean, getting to getting to all the different events is it's cool, but it's more the what's the best way to to phrase this? It's more the the acceptance and the acknowledgement of people sure. knowing who you are when you get to the event. So, yeah. like the the first, I one of the first opens that we went to, kind of after starting to do do the YouTube stuff, is the. the the coolest thing for me about the open and what many people do is they go down to the range, stand on the range, see the players kind of hit the shots mm. and then look over kind of wistfully at the tour trucks and you're like, Oh, you know, God, I wonder what's going on in there. Oh, I'd love to get down there, blah, 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 blah. And I think he was, was it at Birkdale? When Spe- it was Spieth, it was Spieth at Birkdale. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where was the one before that? Was that Stenson at True? 26 yeah yeah right. yeah true was 16 yeah mm-hmm. so true and I, I think it was that one it's just like going down to the range and kind of having to wander around but then someone from the someone from i think it was like the wilson tour truck some random kind of like called us over and was like oh you know do you want to come in do you want to have a look around and mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're behind the ropes wandering around the range you know <laughs> you know a couple of feet away from you know the tour pros who yeah. you know watch up telly and like getting really <laughs> get really excited just to be in that situation and like just wondering, like a few years ago, there's no chance I'd I'd, I'd be here in any yeah. in any kind of way. Mm-hmm. And again, it's just I, I kind of keep thinking of like all the opens I've been to now, all the ranges that I've been on. I think yeah. the last one at, at Carnoustie, I was in the Sky Zone, and just wonder. It's just like it is crazy. It is mental. And then you get all the opportunities to go, you know, to go traveling to to all these places, which you know I just wouldn't wouldn't be able to afford for a start and wouldn't have had any reason to go to <laughs> apart from today's yeah. video is it's, it's crazy. There's so, oh, there's just, there's so many, there's so many. I mean, I've got a, I was having a look at it the other day. I might not be able to see that kind yep. of map up on the wall. I've yeah, just got yeah, I see it. kind of loads of, loads of pins stuck in of all the, all the different places that I managed to get to in the, in the last six years. Cool. And it's great because you, you can look at them and you can think, Oh God! What did I do that? Oh yeah, I remember. It's just yeah, yeah. all these kind of memories come come flooding back, and yeah, it is it is amazing. You got to, I think, 
certainly the last month, well, last three weeks when we've been stuck inside, that's one thing which is, it's kind of kept me going a little bit in the sense that I'm looking at that and I'm just feeling very, you know, grateful to being able to do all that stuff and look forward to the opportunities which are going to come up, you know, once we're out of lockdown. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, take away the freedom, you know. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> sorry, guys, sorry, I'm really sorry. I'm just like, I'm rambling. That was, that was the question. It's best when, right. when the, it? the, the, these conversations take their own yeah. their own path. It's not meant to be structured, Pete, don't Absolutely. worry. It's not meant 100%. to be structured. And, uh, yeah, I'm going away. <laughs> the, uh, the, the time to reflect uh, that obviously this has afforded us and, and the value of our freedom to go and do what we want when we when we want to do it. Is it's got to be a huge thing that people uh, will acknowledge coming out of this. Mm. I think so. It's hard to ignore the degree to which life has changed that quickly. I mean, yeah. three weeks or a month ago, we all kind of thought, oh, not sure what's going to happen. Mm. And a month later, everyone's lives are completely different. And I think all things being considered, most of us are pretty lucky yeah. um, that, that we'll probably be able to get back to normal life in the summertime. But yeah, it definitely mm-hmm. makes you appreciate being able to get on a plane and go play some golf in a tropical location or mm-hmm. go play with your friends or whatever. Go to the movies, do anything. Definitely. Um, Pete, you like to take a little trip uh, north up into God's country and I've seen you playing some golf in, in Glen Eagles. And tell us about some of those trips because you know, you, you're playing some of the real good ones when you get up north. Oh, mate, honestly. Well, I would, I, would, I would move there tomorrow if I could. Um, yeah, I, I just... That, yeah. Uh, I love it up there. I mean, I might kind of get this clip off. So I've got the uh, got the map in the background there. The only other map yeah. that I've got up is over. Where is it? Where is it? Over there, and that's yeah, the yeah. that's map of Scotland. That's the only other. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's the only other. That's the only oh. other map I've got in my house. I, I just I love it. I mean, obviously the the golf courses are the big pull, but it's it's more than that. It's just the scenery, the the wildness yeah. of it up there, and you know, generally the Scottish people. But uh, the trips, the trips that I've had up there are so. I mean, Glen Eagles is literally like, it's amazing, isn't it? Oh, it's just it, it, it's heaven, and like you get to you get to St Andrews and places like this, and you just you just never want to you never want to leave. I mean, and again, like talking about opportunities that. Um, you know, YouTube, social media is given. I played the old course yeah. twice in the last couple of years. Um, there's a guy called Ali Love up there who runs a travel company, um, St. Andrews for Golf. And he's kind of invited me up the last couple of years to get in on spare tea times that he's had. And it's just like, he's random. I managed to take my dad last year as well. And, you know, again, I wouldn't have had that opportunity to do that otherwise. Yeah, special I think, memories. Yeah, and I mean, that... It's weird, really, because when I tend to go up there, I tend to gravitate towards the East Coast, and you know, because mm-hmm. that's where most of most of the links courses are that I really like. And it's normally the weather's kind of a bit better on the yeah. East side. But I can vouch for that. Growing <laughs> up in the West Coast, Pete, I can I can one hundred percent vouch for that. I used to work at Turnbury um, before moving nice. to Canada, so um, I can I can absolutely vouch for the West Coast is significantly dry, <laughs> but you're right get over to that west coast if you can and you know get in you know turnbury and prestwick and troon and western gales glasgow gales i mean obviously dundonald as well incredible mm. golf on that west coast i played um i played turnbury and it was just after just after it had been re remodeled yeah. and redone i hadn't actually played it prior to that mm. and played it on a like that literally a perfect day like it was perfect sunshine it was about 20 degrees not a breath of wind yeah. so by the time we got round to uh the halfway hook the lighthouse yeah. by the time we got around to this halfway hook it, it was just like you sat 
overlooking the ocean and it was just like a pond. It was so still. Mm. It was yeah. so sunny. I think we let, I think we let seven or eight groups through. Like we just, we sat there, few beers, bit of something to eat. The marshal actually came around in the end was like, listen, you're gonna, you are going to have to, you are going to have <laughs> to move. have to move you on, Mr. Finch. Yeah. And it was like, oh, right. I mean, too far, I was playing terrible as well. I think I'd just come back, just come back from an injury there. I was playing awful, but I was like, it, it didn't matter. Like it was that kind yeah. of place where it just didn't matter. The only other yeah. time that, I felt like that on the golf course was West Coast as well, actually, on Aaron. Have you been over to Aaron mm. and kind of played over there? I, I haven't. Uh, no, I've, I played on, on I, no. uh, the island of Islay and, and they have the course mm. called the Macri there, which if you haven't been to that, the Macri is so special. But yeah, I, it's I got this, Aaron's amazing. It's got distilleries there, which I think would be my, uh, my first golf like course. <laughs> uh, yeah, on, on Aaron, it's got this it's a little 12 hole, hole called Shishkin. Shishkin, um, yeah. Which is... Like you, you play it and it's bloody bonkers. The course, it's up and down. It's like it's, it's a madness. But yeah. I played there. I played there as a junior. I think it was like fifteen, sixteen, and it was a similar thing. It was just an evening where it was perfectly still, and there was a. I remember, you know, you just like recall like certain memories so clearly, and it was down. There's a par three which goes kind of down um, the side of these massive cliffs, and then you get right into the coastline. And again, it was perfectly still, and there was a cormorant out there. About it must have been a good two hundred meters out there, and it and it took off, and you could hear it taking off on the water because it was so still. Wow. And just like oh man, and and just at that moment, I was like, wow, you know, why why am I going to want to go anywhere else apart from apart from Scotland, like ever again? Yeah. Um, and then it started raining. And I was like, all right, okay. That's why that's that's why people don't want to live here. Um, that's but yeah, I mean, Scotland is yeah, Scotland's a very very kind of special special place for me. I think. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. So what's what is this? Of, uh, I know, I know. Get uh, back up there as soon as the weather gets good. Yeah, uh, yeah. What is what is the sort of you know future for you look like in terms of goal setting? What what are your goals and aspirations? Playing, coaching, YouTube. So certainly, playing wise and playing wise and content wise, that's all linked in as far as Quest for the Opens concerned. Sure. Um, it, to be honest, it, it it's a difficult one because I don't have a. I, I don't so much have a, an exit plan. So yeah, I think with. With most jobs that I've had, uh, I think I've always looked forward to saying, "Oh, you know, this would be the way out," type of thing. But with this, I'm just I'm enjoying it so much. I don't I don't really know. I I just want to I just want to carry on the journey and and see what happens. As as long as I can stay abreast of what people want to watch, then yeah. I can do that. And mm-hmm. that's the that's for me is the the biggest challenge. It's also it's making the content that I want to make, but it's also recognizing that people might want to see some different things as well. So yep. it's trying to stay abreast of, of what subscribers and what, what people do want to watch. And that's one of the reasons why I'm starting to do more equipment videos is because you know, there's a massive, there's a massive interest in equipment and it's, it's mm-hmm. a side of side of videos. That I've just not, just not explored before. Um, what that looks like going forward, you know, five, 10 years, I don't know. And in, in many respects, I don't, I don't care. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I think if I, if I can keep taking it kind of week by week, month by month and not look, not look too far ahead, then I, I can't, I can't lose my focus, which 
I'm, I'm prone to do in, <laughs> in many yeah. other aspects of my life. So, you know, if, if as long as I keep focused on what I'm doing in the here and now, that, that seems to be working, that seems to be working well. Um, but future plans for future plans for the channel and, and growth. I've kind of launched, launched my own podcast now. That's something I've always been interested in. Um, mm. I think from a, a travel perspective, I'm probably going to be doing less. I want to spend a little bit, a little bit more time at home and, as we've just spoken about a little bit more time kind of exploring Scotland and exploring, exploring mm-hmm. Britain and where, where I live, you know, there's so mm-hmm. many, I think one of the most underappreciated thing is there's so many great courses, you know, on my doorstep that I've just not played. I've just not, yeah. I've not experienced and I don't, I don't particularly know why. So I want to spend a little bit more time doing that and I want to spend a little bit more time in the in the states and and in Canada as well. Never, never been to Canada before. You yeah. like it, you definitely like it. Yep, it's a great uh, it's a great place to visit. It's a great place to. I mean, obviously, any time really mid May to sort of mid September, July and August. Yeah, July and August. Key, to do a little better. <laughs> You're being generous. Well, I'm just saying, if he's going to come for his very first time, I'd like yeah. to have uh, Canada put its best foot forward. July and August. Yeah, I think coming from the UK though, that's true. Is a you know it's an elongated summer in Canada yeah. versus you know I, I know what you're saying. The best of it is in those months, mm. but. You know, coming from the UK, I think you know sure people not. would look at it as like, this is really nice. <laughs> I mean, this it's is hot. Really it's hot in May and June too. You're, yeah. you're right. September's nice too. Yeah, some fall leaves. But yeah, we'll find a we'll find a time where we can yeah. get you over here for some golf. Yeah, take a look at your clubs, even. I know. Get you, get you set up to a Blue Jays game in the summer oh. and, and do all the all the fun stuff. It's a great city, Pete. You'd love it. Yeah. You really oh, would. Mate. Honestly, love love to come up there. Love to love to come visit and yeah, get a get a proper fitting. The amount of the amount of messages um, <laughs> that I got as soon as I said I was doing this this build the bag series, like the amount of messages about getting over to see you guys was it, it was um, it was unbelievable. Like, it's probably a bit annoying after a while. <laughs> so like, oh, I can oh, imagine I be like, okay, guys, I get it, I get it, I heard. It, it, it's yeah, it, it's kind of like one of those things where like, well, you know what it was? It was like um, how we spoke about like before about people watching the videos and coming in for lessons. Yeah. One of the things which has always has always confused me is the amount of people that I get from Europe coming for lessons, mm-hmm. the amount of people sure. that I get from, especially from Scotland, driving down from Scotland for lessons. Mm-hmm. And it's always struck me as crazy, the amount of pros, the amount of really good coaches which sit in between the distance that they've traveled to get to me. But mm-hmm. when people started to message me about you guys, it's exactly the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. You guys that have an amazing, amazing setup, are you going to be able to fit me into irons better than the fitters at Mizuno? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But people who watch your content and who trust what you're doing, for them, there's no question. It's like true. you've, you've true. got to go see the guys at TFG. They are <laughs> yeah. the best because they've got that, they've got that trust. And, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And it's maybe maybe a little bit underappreciated. Certainly from, certainly from my side, I think. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think 
when someone sets their mind on on a brand though like you just knew that mizuno was the way you were going to go true enough i think what you done was the was the right thing i think if someone sets their mind that i'm just go go to the go to that brand you said that about titles yeah. um because they understand side, right? they understand their product the best yeah, we understand the product and we understand how their product performs relative to all the other brands around it and yeah. we understand the strengths and its weaknesses and that's where our strength lies in the brand agnostic approach but when it comes to you wanted Mizuno's, go to mm, Mizuno. Bearwood Lakes is incredible. Mm. The fitters there are great. I know Alex Thorne spends some time there. And, you know, when he's off uh, off the tour, Alex and I work together at TaylorMade. He's a great friend. Mm. And, you know, it's a phenomenal facility. Um, so I think, you, I think you've done the absolute right thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you've got a great thinning for your arts. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, it's one of the things where at the moment, I think, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the brands, and I'm, I'm sure you guys are finding this, you know, in so many of the categories now, you know, from driver through to irons, yeah. you know, realistically, you know, you could get someone coming in for a fitting and you could fit them into several different irons which perform pretty much pretty much exactly the same. You know, there's no there's no weak there's no weak yeah. clubs out there anymore. No. There's certain clubs that are obviously gonna suit people better than others, yeah. but you know, there's no there's no crap clubs. You know, this isn't Nothing. No, it's, it's not like that. it used to be. I mean, even Mizuno. Mizuno are producing good drivers now. Like, I know. That, like, what, what the hell's going on if, if that's happening? <laughs> you know, we, yeah. we are truly in an age of, of everyone producing great clubs if that's happening. It's, it's so true. I mean, everyone, everyone has so much uh, sort of R&D capabilities mm. now. There's, there, you, can, you can take anyone's product, cut it up and down the middle and, and see the secret sauce of what makes a sim driver so good and, you know, what makes a, a Maverick so fast and mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. that. So we're at, we're at an age where technology has moved uh, so far down the line. There's, there's, it's going to be tough for them to push it significantly further. We, yeah. We've done a test today, Pete, with, uh, you remember the, the sort of dark blue Callaway Big Bertha Alpha, with the one with the gravity core that you oh, could yeah, flip yeah, around. Yeah. You know, we done a test with that today. Realistically, shot for shot against the one we've just fit Matt to is Maverick. It was exactly the same on, that, on the best one. Best one, yeah. If you if you isolated best swing with each one, the results were exactly the disturbingly similar. But I mean, it's it, that's why it's like it's incremental over the years. I think now it's more about consistency. If you miss it one a bit, how good is that? Those things have come far. But it's you know the middle hit with a great swing. Yeah. In the last eight years, is it really that different? Maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. Not, not crazy. Yeah. yeah, no, not really. I mean, if if you think about where we were, you know, seven eight years ago. I'm mean, bear in mind, yeah. seven eight years ago, we were producing. We, you know, the golf community, yeah. uh, we were producing drivers which were made illegal because they were going too far. You know, we we've already we've already been past the legal limit. Yeah, for of sure. C- yeah, they're they're how capable fast? Hundred percent. You know, so they're capable of pushing it past there. Now it's mm-hmm. just trying to find. What I've really found certainly this year is companies try and find a good, just a good story to to tell behind the product, and that's what that's what people are buying into because people realise at the end of the day you get a ping, you get a tightless, you get tailor made, you get a good fitter, they're all going to go pretty much the same distance. So I think mm-hmm. that's the that's the difficulty that the companies are finding. I think they'd probably benefit if it was if it was rolled back. You know, they'd allow them to tell a, a whole new mm-hmm. a whole new story and produce whole new clubs really. It would be a shake-up, that's for sure. Yeah, certainly would, would change things. And um, yeah, not, not sure if, not sure. I mean, I spoke to a few companies about it and, mm. you know, even just, just the, dialing back the, the golf ball and changing that for the amateur golfer. I just personally feel that the, the golfer, the average man on the street, 
needs all the help they can get still. So I just themselves. don't think they need yeah. to dial or anything back. No. And, and, you know, I, I honestly think there, there should be a point where, the, you know, the average golfer should be able to play a wedge that spins a little bit more. Because realistically, those old grooves, they weren't wildly different from what they are now. Yeah. We've, tested, we've tested conform and non-conform. It's, true enough. it's, not, it's not 25% more spin. Yeah. It's... Four or five percent, especially for someone who isn't a tour player. Maybe it's ten percent for the tour player, but not not ten percent yeah. for for a ten handicap. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's make it. Let's make the game easier. Let's pe- make people enjoy it yeah. more. Let's attract people to it. Let's not turn them away from it. I mean, all of those things That's are so true. Are, Don't are make important. it harder. It's hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Now nah, make it make it harder. Make it harder. <laughs> I'm gonna say this. Grow grow that rough up. <laughs> Oh well, I tell you what, I mean, Sandy Lyle, I remember hearing Tim say that when, when they brought in uh, sort of hybrids and, and they started making long irons, I mean, he said when he played at his best, he, him, Tom Weiskopf and Jack Nicholas were the only ones who could flight mm. these one and two long iron ones. blades. And mm. they had such an advantage over everyone else. The day that they changed and, and started making hybrids and, and, you know, people with less speed could launch and spin it and mm-hmm. have ball speed retention on miss hits the way they couldn't do it with those old blades. He's like, I lost, I lost my competitive advantage <laughs> and I fell into the pack. And, and, and I can understand what you're saying. As a, someone who's a good ball striker like you are, a pure striker, you know, you, you kind of want it to be a purist game. You know, you, you want to <laughs> have that advantage over, over others. <laughs> You've been fooled by me editing. You're not the first and you won't yeah. be the last. We've got to keep the illusion alive though, don't we? <laughs> Everyone's, everyone, there's, there's illusion everywhere. What can you do? I know. No, but you, you are right. It, it has definitely, certainly in the, in the professional game, it's lifted. It's not lifted the best players any higher. It's lifted the pack behind yeah. the best players. You know, the yeah. Tiger Woods are always going to be the best no matter what area they, what area they play. And he's proved that by the fact that he has been good over, yes. over multiple, multiple areas. But, yeah, it's it's definitely raised the ability levels and the forgiveness levels of those clubs, so the people who don't strike it quite as pure yeah. can get up to that level. I think yeah. for many for many amateurs, I, I think it's it, the the situation that many amateurs have been in that hasn't actually changed in respects that people still buy clubs hoping that it's going to fix what problems they may have. Where yeah. You know, it's at the end of the day, we all know that the clubs play a part, but it's the yeah. the underlying mm-hmm. technique, unfortunately, does need to does need to change if they want to see that long lasting improvement. But it's a lot easier to to buy a driver rather than fix a driver swing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's there's 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 kind of you know we we see we seem play the role of we are we always say we're seventy five percent club fitters, twenty five percent instructor from the viewpoint of how do we read the situation. So we have to understand the technical elements that create the shot from a swing standpoint, but we have to know the role the club is playing in terms of that shot as well. And and I think instructors, you know, flip that around and, and they have to know the swing, but they also have to go, well, how much is the swing and how much is the club? Is that club playing a big part in terms of this, the player not being able to hit the shot mm. uh, that they, they're trying to hit? So, you know, it's, it's all, everything's important, you know, and we've talked a lot recently about uh, the sort of people using data now more than ever, Arcos, things like that, in order to, to learn more about their own games. I think yep. that's going to be a real frontier that allows people to drive that handicap down oh yeah that's going to be very important yeah absolutely it's an interesting one as people get as people get some of the the experiences i've had with people getting more access to technology you know more understanding how to actually you know assess their own data it's also 
it's also what they do with it. You know, I've had I've had a few people come in who've had very very wild ideas about maybe where their game is at in yeah. comparison to like the readings that mm. they the readings that they take. You know, the data the data is fantastic, but yeah. it's got to be interpreted through in the right hands because if not, you know, it could be crazy. And I've seen, I've seen people with launch monitors come up with some crazy ideas about about what they should be doing with a with a technique. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's mm-hmm. understanding that side of things. And again, it's you know for anybody kind of watching and listening, it's you know it's, it's a it's a mantra that I try and hammer home as as much as possible. But you know, go see a pro, go see a fitter. You know, mm-hmm. don't don't rely and don't interpret that information yourself. There's no point. Yeah. You know, get get an expert to do it for you. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot less of a headache. Yeah, it's a shortcut, isn't it? It's a yeah. lot, lot kind of shorter road to to that improvement if you do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just seeing experts as well. You know, it's yeah. if you if you've got if you've got something wrong with you, you know, you go see a doctor. Don't right. don't go on the internet. Don't go on YouTube. <laughs> it's true. No true WebMD. Story. So true. true there you go. That's 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 the big takeaway I think I found from yeah, this. That's I agree the, with the that. Big message. Yeah, don't yeah. don't go on YouTube. Go to well. <laughs> Unless it's to watch these two channels. channels. Unless it's to watch these two. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, the, the, we're, we're the only two trusted experts that you can trust. <laughs> exactly. Amen. Yeah. Well, Pete, we really appreciate your time. Yeah. Um, it's been great to, to finally catch up with you and, and kind of see how you're doing and, and sort of, you know, hear your journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're on our own journey with this thing very much in its infancy. And, you know, yourself and, and Rick and, and Mark and, and the people that we kind of chat to is have been a big influence on us and the things that we mm. do and we try and evolve. So we, we appreciate what you do and we appreciate your time. No, no, th- th- thanks for having me on. And yeah, it's like I said, it's the journey, it's the journey that never ends. You know, you, you're going to get to the end of, end of a road and all of a sudden there's going to be a roundabout and you just got to decide which, which exit you're going to take. Um, but yeah, no, thanks. Thanks so much for having me on. Sorry for, uh, for blathering on at certain points and forgetting what the hell we were talking about. It's all good. It was good. No, I enjoyed it. It was, it was all really good stuff. Uh, all right, buddy. We'll take care and uh, we'll definitely talk to you down the road. Thanks, Pete. Cool. Thanks, Pete. Cheers, guys. Stay Thanks, safe. Pal. Okay, guys. So that was Mr. Peter Finch. Uh, you know, again, another, another fascinating insight into someone's journey to, mm. uh, into this weird world that is YouTube and, and sort of becoming a YouTuber while still having aspirations in other parts of your life. It just, it's, it's so unpredictable. I think if there's anything in common so far with anyone in this space we've talked to, it's mm-hmm. the fact that all these stories are a little bit alike. Mm-hmm. No one, I don't think that we've talked to yet went, I'm going to start a YouTube channel from day one. Right. They all sort of got into coaching or they got into equipment and then they, yeah. something happened to them or, or something sort of mm-hmm. steered them in the direction where they thought, mm, maybe I'll try mm-hmm. starting a YouTube channel. Um, and they've all sort of progressed slowly with it. So yeah. I think, I think that's a cool, my takeaway was, you know, the thing with YouTube is it's the only platform like it where you can you can actually cut your teeth on it Mm. you can start you don't have to wait until you're the very best at it you can actually just get started and develop so his story was really cool really cool yeah i still one thing we touched on during the podcast was like how i still call like social media the wild west like you could start youtube but still not really make anything of it or you could in a way get lucky and and take up not get lucky but you work hard enough and it takes off so um you know for people who want to start a YouTube channel tomorrow on knitting for cats. I mean, they might make millions of dollars for cats. It's so hard to, it's so hard to like predict, you know, whether I still don't think the world knows how strong social media is, even though we use it every single day. 
fraction the the, the utilization is fractional compared to the potential uh, on it interesting during the the lockdown period right now i think more people are embracing content and for sure how to connect and communicate and i think they're they're finally sort of going wow this is this is a hugely powerful tool absolutely in a time where you know your brand would be hurting and and sort of losing value in the stock Mm. market of of our or this you know, world, True. you're gaining value, and and when the thing when you, when the, when the world reopens, you're going to be in a significantly better place. Well, it's it's the thing is, it's like if if you've never done it, I think as you said, reaching out to someone who has mm-hmm. for a little bit of help. How did you get started? Or yeah. you know, can I come on your podcast? Can I be a part of something? It's a good time to at least uh, develop the possibility of it. Sure. See if it's for you. I mean, I, I think part of the issue. I mean, people ask me constantly, like, how do you start a YouTube channel? How do yeah. you do this? I think people also, there's two sides to it. Don't be afraid to do it, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. some people should also think like, maybe it's not the best fit for me given these circumstances, yeah. or maybe my brand is more suited to, you know, Instagram or something. Mm-hmm. I think it just, it's a good opportunity to give it all some thought, yeah. but don't assume you can't and don't assume that, you know, this is the, the shortcut for you to be successful. There's, you know, there's layers to the whole yeah. thing for sure. I think as well with, with this type of thing is if, if someone does has one go at it, they turn the camera on, yeah, so they, they kind of fumble over their words a few times. You go, oh, that's just this YouTube thing, just not for me. I'm <laughs> yeah, no good it. at this thing. The reality is the first few goal shots, you hit are crap. And you know you, you kind of duff them along the ground and you, 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 do, you do nothing that resembles what looks like a decent goal shot. Mm-hmm. That's like making the first couple of YouTube videos. It You're going to be not very good. And then you'll progressively get better. Yep. It's an evolution that, that everyone's going to take uh, you know, as long as you don't expect to do it like a like a tour pro or, or, yes. a, or someone who's an day one. A-list day one, it's not yeah. going to happen. So true. And then it's like golf. The first time you pure a seven iron and hit a green, you yeah. go, oh man, this is doable. I like yeah. this. It's like the first time you make a That's decent right. video and people like it. It's the same, same It becomes addictive. I think, I think the one right. last thing is everyone that we've chatted to during this time have all said that, that they've been able to reflect and they've been able to do extra work that they mm, normally don't yeah. do on their day-to-day life. And, and I can, you know, attest to that, you know, you guys can, we're, mm. we're able to go through emails or organize for when we're back to normal, you know, for us getting a build shop ready and getting a new facility ready and making sure customers mm. are safe. So it's, it's definitely a lesson that in a bad situation, you can, you can make something of a bad situation. You don't have to take a bad situation and, mm. and let something happen to you. It's true. Try to make the best of you, whatever you you're given. Yeah. I mean, we're given, everyone's being given a bad situation, some worse than others, but yeah. that's the thing. You have to find something to get out of this. Exactly. Hopefully. exactly. We, we know what's coming on the other side of this. There's going to be a rebound. Mm. There's going to be, there is going to be sort of people who are out again and have freedom and they're, they're sort of, thankful and grateful for it more so than they were before it's true that's a good thing it is a good thing that is a very good thing to to have a realization that life is actually really pretty good yep that is absolutely true okay guys that is number six uh, of season two in the bag um enjoyed it really good next week we we've got some good stuff some more maybe technical conversations we're going to be in with uh with kim braley and TK from KBS. That's right. Yeah. Looking forward to diving into product with them, and, and you know Kim has some incredible insight into the evolution of, of uh, shaft technology, steel shaft. He and his father, and uh, the the role they played in developing um, you know the frequency scale. Dr. Kim Braley was the first person to was bring right? uh, oh, wow. frequency matching to the PGA Tour and things like that. So uh, it's going to be a really really interesting. Awesome. One. 
Um, and Mark Crossfield is our next uh, guest, actually. So you will have some interesting stuff coming up, for there sure. Look forward to it. Okay, guys. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you again soon.